Oh, I'm not going to really go through too much of the scriptures on our word for the year. Um, as you all have seen, and as I said, the, the word for this year is fire and glory. And in the Hebrew, it's eish v'kavod, fire and glory. And where I'm going to start is the Second Chronicles 7 scripture, because this is one of the few scriptures that um, have both words fire and glory in it. And this is, what we are, this is part of what we're praying for for our congregation, is for the presence of God, for the fire of his presence, to burn away all that is not of him within us, and for his glory to engulf us, so that when we leave this place, we will be filled with his boldness, with his presence, to share with the lost. God's heart is for souls. And if your heart is not yet for souls, you can pray and God will give you a passion for souls. So from 2 Chronicles 7.3, the scripture reads this way. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple... They bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And besides the fact that this scripture has both fire and glory in it, this is my heart for our congregation, that the day will come when the presence of God is so heavy in this place, we will be all all on our faces, worshiping, by, worshiping him by saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So most of you know, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. The background to this scripture is actually the um, festival of Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles in English. And this is the point in time when the tabernacle, the temple, has been completed. And Solomon has this wonderful... You know what? Let me stop right there. I'm going to go there second. Because what I want to share with you is that what happened in the temple was the entire household of Israel experiencing the presence of God. All of Israel went to the temple at the dedication of the completed temple to worship God. As far as we know, not one was missing. The entire household was there. And so the, the Lord had impressed on me this week to remind us of the times when the people of Israel were gathered as one and the Lord showed up in fire and glory. So there's actually a place before this where I want to remind you where Israel as a whole appeared before the Lord. 
So if you want to read along, I'm reading from the uh, New King James. And it's, this is from Exodus 19. I'm just going to read 1 through 11 and then 16 through 20. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel." So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And then down in verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So what I want you to see from this passage, of course, this is the point in time where, where the Lord gives to Moses the commandments, and... We've already read the description of what it looked like when the Lord came down on Mount Sinai. But I also want you to notice what the people say. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Well, I'm not going to go into a long story, but we know that all that the Lord has spoken, all that the Lord had spoken, the people of Israel did not do. And we are no different. The only thing is, we now have the cross. We have the power of the resurrection. So really, we have no excuse. And if we truly want to not ever be the same again, 
In moments of temptation and trial and testing, what do we do? We pray and we call upon the name of the Lord. We call upon the blood of Yeshua. And we call upon the power of the resurrection to give us the victory over sin. Because sin is death. And Yeshua had victory over sin and death. That's our victory. For all of you who received the, um, the Hebrew calendars for this year, what is the theme of the calendar? Victory. Victory. Every scripture has to do with victory. Every, every month, there's a scripture for victory. So, we are weak, but when we are weak, he is strong in us. We have that power. I truly believe the only thing that keeps us from never being the same again is our carnal nature, right? I know you're doing a series on that, aren't you? Our carnal nature, our carnal desires, and we want what we want when we want it. But we have the power of the cross, the power of the blood, and the power of the resurrection to have victory over all of that. So this is the first instance when the children of Israel are gathered in one place and they see the glory and the fire of God in one place. And it was too much for them. It was too much for them. I often think if we ever saw the real fire and the real glory of God in this place, would it be too much for us? So let's turn over to 2 Chronicles. And this is the second place in Scripture where we see the manifestation of the fire and the glory of God, and it's, in your, it's in your, on your sheet. And what happens here is, you know, they complete the temple, and it is time to dedicate the temple. And actually, it begins over in 2 Chronicles 5. And I'm just going to read a few excerpts from 5. Actually, I'm going to read the first four. No, I'm going to read 11 to 14. Again, all the children of Israel are here for the dedication of the temple. They waited they built it together. They waited for it to be dedicated. And here they are all together in the courts of the temple. And beginning in verse 11, it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. So we know that um, in the scripture, the Lord had said when the priests were serving, when the different divisions were serving, they needed to sanctify themselves. They all served. They all served on the day of dedication of the temple. So they all sanctified themselves. They all came into the holy place to worship God. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Haman and Jeduthun with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, 
having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And so Solomon goes on to praise the Lord and to pray and declare to the Lord this beautiful prayer of dedication of this holy place to the Lord. And that's all in Second Chronicles 6. And it's so beautiful. You, you may want to take the time to read it. And at the end of it, um, Solomon says this, Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with Yeshua, with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. And then in chapter 7, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Again, we see the fire and the glory in the same scripture. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, Together, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And as I have already said, this is my prayer, that one day in this place, the presence of God would be so weighty, his fire so visible, that we will all be on our faces, and we will be praying that prayer, for you are good, Lord, for you are good, and your mercies endure forever. That is my prayer. There is one other place in Scripture where um, I'm not going to go and read it because the point of the message is really something else today. I mean, how could it be anything greater than the fire and the glory of God? But God has shown us his presence. He has shown us his fire and glory. And he shows it in different ways. And we need to always have our eyes open to see not the natural, but the spiritual, behind the things that we see in everyday life. Because we will see more often the fire and glory of God if our eyes are covered with that, the, I want to say like the coating of the Ruach HaKodesh, the coating of the Holy Spirit, so that when we see things taking place around us, or even on the television, we will see into the spirit realm, and we will understand what God is doing and what he is saying in our day. So in Acts chapter 2, there's another place where we see the fire and the glory of God, and it's 
But in this particular point in time, we don't know that all Israel is together. It is only the children of Israel who are obedient to the command to show up in Jerusalem for Shavuot. If they didn't come for Shavuot, they missed it. So I don't know. I mean, we, hear, we read the whole list of the people that came from all of the places who came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Shavuot, and they saw the power of God. And they heard, they heard the word of God spoken by Peter with power. And people repented. How many people were added to the kingdom that day? 3,000. 3,000. What a first sermon. <laughs> Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is it, it was clear, and we know that at the foot of Mount Sinai and at the dedication of the temple, there were those who were joined to the household of Israel. The Gentiles who were joined to the household of Israel who were present at Mount Sinai and at the dedication of the temple. And here it is actually written out that both Jews and proselytes the proselytes are the Gentiles who believe in the one true God who have converted to Judaism. In this day and age, there's no conversion. You, who you convert to is the Lord. You don't convert to a religion. You convert to the Lord. And so we read that in Acts 2, 1 through 4 and, and, and on. So if you, if you would like to do that, you can do a lot of reading this afternoon. You can read the entire account of the foot of Mount Sinai. You can read the entire account of the dedication of the temple. You can read the entire account of the um, outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh at Shavuot. But I saw something last week. And you know, it's funny because I started talking to the Lord about this. God bless you. I started talking to the Lord about this, and I said, well, why didn't you have me mention anything like that about this event last Saturday? Wouldn't that have been more timely? Well, yeah, more timely in the flesh. Yeah, but this is God's appointed time. This is God's appointed time. Because I truly believe that through the eyes of the Spirit, Something really incredibly spiritual happened on a football field almost two weeks ago. I don't watch football. <laughs> but it was, I don't know, whatever time football's on on Monday night, I get this phone call from my daughter, who is a football fan. And she says, Mom, do you know what just happened? Well, no. <laughs> so she proceeds to tell me. So I turn my TV on. And the first image I see 
are football players kneeling on the field with all of the staff of the, who I found out was the Buffalo Bills, sorry. I, I, sorry. I mean, I know, the, I know about the Buffalo Bills. I, I know they're a football team, but I didn't know who was playing. So I see these people in uniform. They are all kneeling down together on the football field. And my daughter proceeds to tell me what has happened. That this player, 24 years old, died. He died. You know he died, right? He died on the field. Not going to say too much about that. But I didn't see that part of it because by then he had already been taken off in the ambulance. But she told me how long they worked on him. And if you look for the truth, you will find out that his heart stopped again. And they had to resuscitate him again. 24 years old. Hmm. Having a heart attack. On the football field. So, all I saw, like I said, was all these men on the field, kneeling. And as, I kind of didn't, you know, it, it was pretty remarkable. But then the week went on, and I had other things to do. So I didn't think too much about, you know, football. I did keep in keep, you know, looking out to see how this guy was doing. I do know his name is Damar Hamlin. And I do know his number is three. <laughs> so, all this stuff just starts showing up in my mailbox. Let me tell you, it, it wasn't from my daughter. It just started showing up in my mailbox. And I found out, oh, I need my phone for something because I have to read you. Okay. If I can find it. Okay. So let, let me show let me just read to you some stuff that showed up in my in my mailbox. So I what I didn't know about this game was that I guess it was a pretty important game. Was it like a playoff game or something? Or somebody was going to figure out if they were going to go to the playoffs or something? Okay. So, so what's written in this, um, in this article from the Washington Post, sort of like the New York Times, the Washington Post wrote this. It was a high-profile Monday night football game between the Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals with millions watching or getting alerts about the alarming incident on their phones. One thing I did see that somebody had emailed to me was a man by the name of Dan Orlovsky. He is a former NFL quarterback, and he... Um, he has a program called NFL Live, or maybe he's on NFL Live. Because he, he said, I need to pray 
for Damar Hamlin right away, right now. He didn't tell people, oh, go pray. Go pray for this guy, you know. He said, we need to pray for him right now. And this was part of his prayer. If we didn't believe that prayer works, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer, and we believe in prayer, and we lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. This was on ESPN. And later on, somebody said that ESPN was more like the 700 Club than ESPN. I think that was in the Washington Post. So then um, the Bills coach also, his name is Sean McDermott, probably all you guys know that, and he said this, I'm a Christian man to begin with, and I'm not afraid to say, and I'm not afraid to say that. And I know when you're trying to do good things or great things, sometimes you come across opposition. In other words, he didn't really, I guess he hasn't really been vocal about his faith or something. So he, um, anyway, so this is, this was him saying that he believed that his team would be able to rise again and um, respond well to the adversity of what had happened. So then here's this other guy. His name is Troy Vincent. He's a five-time Pro Bowl cornerback and an NFL executive, and he praised God by saying, my greatest fear flashed in front of me in the moment, but for the goodness and grace of God, DeMar is still here. So then there was a game on Saturday night. I guess it was for the AFC South title between the Jaguars and the Titans. I don't know what cities they represent, but you probably do. But these teams got together on the field, knelt down, and prayed. And then I heard, and I can't, I'm not going to bother looking up on my phone, that apparently... Um, many of the teams on Sunday also did likewise. Both teams came together, knelt down on the field, and prayed. So this is just not quite seven days after the incident at Monday Night Football. So here's what I want to say about that. I can't even imagine how many... Millions of people, Monday night, Saturday night, and Sunday, saw these men kneeling on the field, a public display of bowing down and praying to God on behalf of this man. Now, you probably all know that he's made a miraculous recovery. And that, too, is pretty remarkable and how so many people are saying that was an answer to prayer. Not giving credits to the doctors, but giving glory to God for this. So now, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Because something occurred to me Wednesday night when we had our Bible study. And we had just watched the DVD. We were talking about what we were going to pray. And we got talking about what happens Monday night. And all of a sudden, I had a remembrance. God brought back to my memory 
I want to say 10 to 15 years ago, how people were prophesying that football stadiums would be turned into places of worship to God. Now, I've been to football stadiums where I've been to Promise Keepers when they invited the wives. We worship, do we praise God? Maybe half the stadium was filled. It wasn't filled. But the prophecy that had gone forth was that the stadiums would be filled. They would be filled. And I believe through the eyes of the Spirit and the eyes of faith that what I saw was a filled stadium last Monday night with men worshiping God in prayer, believing that their prayer could change the circumstances for their teammate. And it did. And I believe, this is what I believe. This is my opinion. That that man who died on the field was the seed. That he was the seed. Unless a seed falls to the ground, What's the rest? What's the rest? And dies. It bears much fruit. Could it be that we are on the brink of what we have been praying for for years? Praying for revival? Praying for a move of God? Praying for the harvest? So, I want to share something with you. We've all lived through something, an event that most people saw on a TV. 9-11. People flocked to churches, didn't they? But they didn't stay. I truly believe that the difference between then and now is that there are literally thousands and thousands of prayer groups throughout the United States who have been praying for revival, who have been praying for the word of God to cover our nation, who have been praying for the end time harvest. I don't, I don't think that had occurred before 9-11. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because I wasn't part of it, but now that I've been part of it for the last three years and I'm aware of how many people have been praying maybe this time will be different. Maybe what millions of people saw on the television screens will really come to pass. That people won't be showing up to watch a football game, but they'll be showing up to worship God and glorify God and see the fire and glory of God all together in one place. I, I believe, I, I truly believe, because I guess in my finite mind, all I can think of is what else would that have, why else did that happen? But for the glory of God. But for the glory of God. All these millions of people watching football, Monday night, Saturday night, all day Sunday. 
seeing a visual of men humbling themselves, getting down on their knees and praying. Big strong men, that's right. And so many of them were crying. So I say glory to God. Glory to God. And let's, amen. And, and, let's, and let's be looking with those eyes, with the spiritual eyes, you know, like looking through the glasses of the Ruach HaKodesh that we will be able to see things that are going on in our world, in our neighborhood, in our families, and be able to see the hand of God right in the midst of it. That's how we've been praying. That's what we want to see. And that's what we're believing for. So praise God that DeMar Hamlin is on the road to recovery and that he was a I don't know how willing a vessel he was, but God used that whole situation to bring grown big men to their knees in prayer and in worship. And who knows? Who knows what God can do with this? Who knows? Who knows? Amen. Open door for prayer and praise. Yes, you know, I actually wrote that down, Joyce. I actually wrote that down. They were taking a knee, but for the Lord. Not in opposition to the flag, but taking a knee. In fact, so many of them were on both of their knees. That's, thank you for reminding me. So, Lord, we just bless you. We bless you, Lord. Yes, you are an awesome God. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome God, Lord. And Father, we, we want to join in what you are doing. Help us to be ready, Lord. I don't know if, who knows where you're going to send people, but we're ready, Lord. As I said last week, the seating capacity here is 264. Just fill us with hearts of compassion and love. Fill us with hearts of mercy and grace. And fill our mouths with the power and truth of your word to speak the truth as hard as it may be sometimes. People don't want to hear the truth. But then, then when they get the nitty-gritty truth about heaven and hell and eternity and Yeshua, Jesus, being the only way, the only truth, and the only life, people get it. And they receive you, Lord. So, Father... Help us to be ready. Help us to prepare. That was a big part of our prayer yesterday was the preparation. Help us to be prepared, Lord. Help us to have eyes to see the people that you bring into our lives on any given day, Lord. We're supposed to be ready in season and out to give a defense for the hope that is in us, that hope of glory, that hope of glory. And we give you all honor and all praise, O oh God, for you are worthy. And I just want to pray and speak to anybody who may be listening to this online or listening to it on a CD or whatever, that eternity is real and our God is real and he loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son, Yeshua, Jesus, to die for you 
to die for all of your sins. He died for all of my sins. He died for all of the sins of everyone sitting here. And we have all come to that place of recognizing that we are sinners, of recognizing that our penalty has been paid by the only one who could pay that penalty. And that is Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who died on the cross for me and died on the cross for you. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So I encourage you to believe on the Lord Jesus. To believe that his Father raised him from the dead and he is now seated at the right hand of God. That he died for all of your sins so that you could be a new creation that you could leave everything behind and never be the same again. Give your life to the Lord. Give your life to Jesus today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Give your life to him. Receive, receive that free gift of salvation. He died in your place so you don't have to die. Well, one day you will die, but you won't have to die that eternal death of separation from him when you receive Jesus and what he's done for you you have the gift of eternal life never being separated from God being in a place where there is no more suffering no more pain no more sorrow no more death no more tears no but joy forevermore today is the day of your salvation don't wait find a good congregation that teaches the truth. There's a lot of them out there. Read your Bible and look for a place where you can worship the one true God and grow in his word and grow in his love. So Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our Yeshua. And we thank you for what you are doing on this earth, O oh God. There is none like you, O oh Lord. There is none like you, O oh Lord, in all the earth. No one like you, O oh God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. And all God's people said, amen and amen.